Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score. Missouri loses. It was a road game. What did you expect? Of course they were going to lose. Missouri falls to another one-score loss, 24-17 to Florida in the Swamp. BK, I, I, I got to be frank with you, man. I, I feel nothing after this loss. It just kind of feels like an inevitable thing that we've seen multiple times so far this year. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, I know Mizzou fans are frustrated after that loss, as they should be. It was, it felt like kind of rewatching the Auburn game. I, I felt like the, the Georgia game was a little different in that. I know that by play-by-play data, and you mentioned this last week, and we've gone over it a number of times. It was kind of the same game, but they just got a couple of breaks that went their way. Uh, Auburn felt more like this one, and maybe not coincidentally. The two games that I'm talking about that felt the same were on the road, and the one that felt different was at home. So there's that. It it's just the same. It's the same playbook. I mean, not to pull a pun on you, but you know the defense does way better than it should. The offense connects on a couple of big plays to give you hope. The running game is either scattershot or non-existent. Uh, the passing game is inaccurate or connecting on big plays. And then you just hope to God that you finish your drives with a touchdown. That's it. That That's that's it. And every game is ugly. Every game is the most miserable thing that you are not all out of at any given point in time. And the difference is penalties and quarterback plays, it seems at this point. Of course, you know, the running game, too. It just... I think the biggest thing here, the biggest takeaway is, again, this defense is awesome, but Florida is not a good team. And, Mm -hmm. you know, against Auburn and Florida, Missouri was in a position to win those games and really should have. A a, a slightly better team, or let me me rephrase, a slightly better offense would have been able to put that team away uh, paired with Missouri's defense. And they just, they don't have that right now, either with with the offensive line or quarterbacks or anything. They just don't have it. So you should, you could conceivably be 3-0. and But guess what? You are 0-3 in the SEC. Uh, two of those games out on the road, one at home. There's just no ability to put a team away with this offense. And whether that means you, you we should bring in a backup quarterback or whether that means you stick with Brady Cook is not really our call. It's Eli Drinkwitz's call. But it kind of seems like at this point, this team's ceiling is very, very clear. You slop it up. You hope to win a close one, but uh, Missouri has not won a close game so far this year. So what are we going to do? Yeah, it it kind of felt as if that game was determined by four plays. The two interceptions, one a pick six, one that ended a drive in the red zone. Um, you had the punt return for about 46 yards and then pick your really. It's just the three, honestly, the two interceptions and then the, the punt return. Like, outside of that, everything else was just kind of gravy. It was just, okay, we're going to play these other 59 minutes for show, but those three plays basically determine the outcome of the game. I mean, even by the score, like, Florida won 24-17. They won by seven points in this game. There's the pick six. Like, there's your game. And it's frustrating because Missouri should have more margin for error against a team like that. Anthony Richardson has all the talent in the world. I'm not going to argue against that. In this game, he wasn't very good. He finished the day 8 for 14 for 65 yards. He had a, a big run on the ground, but otherwise was mostly held in check on the ground. He had a 32-yard gain on the ground, and then his other four carries went for 13 yards total. Uh, I, I thought Missouri's defense o- overall played a pretty darn good game. In the first half, they were downright dominant. Florida finished the first half with the fewest yards that they've gained in a first half 
since 2016. They had 65 yards in the first half total. Their scoring came off of that pick six and then the uh, the punt return that set them up for the field goal, if I'm not mistaken. So there's your 10 points. That's it. That, that determined the outcome of this game. And then Missouri was undisciplined again. They had way too many penalties in this game. Florida, if you want to go here, Nate, we can get into it. Um, I think they probably should have been penalized on that final play. I do believe it was defensive pass interference. Unfortunately, Missouri set themselves up in a position where a bad call that does not go their way ends up potentially determining the outcome of the game. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> you just yep. can't. Like I'm not uh, I'm not blaming the refs. I should I should clarify no, here. I no. I I hate blaming the refs in general and especially when Missouri doesn't play well enough offensively for 59 minutes. I'm not going to blame the refs for coming up with a bad call in the final moments. No. You got you, you cannot put yourself in a position where you are relying on other people to call <laughs> penalties correctly. That's you have messed up if that is where you are at as an offense or as a team. I just the, the we talked about this defense. It is very, very good because it is attacking. It creates havoc. It also gives up a couple big plays. All those big plays came in the second half. <laughs> the yep. the uh, the uh, Etienne, the younger one, had a couple of big ones. Richardson had a scramble for thirty two. It just it felt like Missouri was getting gassed towards the end, but really they're just they were letting up all their big plays in the second half. So maybe it is gas, or maybe that's just luck of the draw. Uh, but you know. That's that's where we're at. Once again, kind of like the Georgia game, you got into the fourth quarter and Florida just put their heads down and started running the ball and they started connecting on on the big plays. Now, Missouri did a good job of limiting the damage there. They did give up the passing touchdown um, with about 11 minutes left in the game. Outside of that, though, they really shut it down. A couple big runs in Florida's last drive, and then the false start sets them back, and and uh, Jalen Carlis gets the pass deflection, and Dalen Carnell grabs the interception. So they did what they needed to do to put this offense in a position to win. It's just to put this offense in a position to win, you need to put them on the ten, basically, yeah. or you know, <laughs> somewhere within uh, Harrison Muse's kicker range. So I guess the fifty, right? <laughs> It just, this is, it's inevitable. If you are in a close game, how do you win close games? Number one, you have good quarterback play. Number two, you have good special teams play. Number three, you have good good tactics, right? Good good clock management. We've had some really curious play calls from Eli Drinkwitz, really curious game management from him as far as his timeouts and when he uses them and how he scripts plays or two-minute drills or coming out of timeouts or the middle eight. He just has some really confusing ideas, and he'll back him up. He's going to stand on that podium. I'm sure he's there right now, and he's going to have a very logical explanation of why he's doing what he's doing. still doesn't make sense. (laughs) I don't care if you can explain it. He just has some baffling decisions, and if you put yourself in a position where you're wasting timeouts or have poor play calling out of timeout situations, you certainly don't have the quarterback play. You do have the special teams. So if you got one of the three, you're tending to not win close games, and he had – Really, he had two of those three, maybe even three of those three in 2020 when he went undefeated. It's just been diminishing returns in the quarterback position uh, and his ability to play call or call plays, I should say. And here we are where he's now struggling in close games. And that's kind of been the difference. Yeah, two and six and one score games over the last two years. Um, And this year, the problem has been getting out to slow starts. They've been outscored on the road this season, 31 to three. They have been outscored in the first quarter in true road games under Eli Drinkwitz, 98 to 51. 
And if you take out Vandy and then the Boston College game from last year where Missouri was okay in the first quarter, they've been outscored on the road in first quarters 84 to 27. It's a problem. They they come out flat and Missouri has been saying, hey, we got to finish strong. We got to finish. strong." How about you start strong? If you start a game strong, you'll have an opportunity to win it late. And in this game, they started out slow and then they ended up needing an opportunity to tie it late. And that that's kind of been the name of the game for them against Auburn. What do they have to do? They got to find a way to come back and they're just chasing and chasing and chasing. And finally, they're able to catch it. And then a break doesn't go their way, and it's boom, it's it's Auburn's win. A- against Georgia, they finally had an opportunity to finish, but Georgia is so damn good that it's really hard to hold on against a team like that. If Missouri was able to come out with a strong early game against Florida or Auburn, I, I think they would have won those games. But they come out slow, they're on the road, where we know they're ineligible to win, unfortunately, but they come out slow, and that's part of why they're ineligible to win. And they aren't able to make up for it late because they're not a good enough football team right now. And that's just that's where they are. They are an okay team. Nothing about what we've seen so far is like super concerning in a way of, oh, this is way behind schedule. They're an awful football team. They don't have any talent. It's not that. And I think that's what makes it so frustrating is that other than the K-State game, they've played okay. They, they've been mm-hmm. all right. They're playing, as we've mentioned a few times now, like Texas A&M, where every game is close late. But when you play that way and you don't have the quarterback play on your side and you aren't getting some of the variance that goes your way, you have a fumble that goes into the end zone, or in this game, you have a call that doesn't go your way, or a big mm-hmm. punt return that doesn't go your way, or a pick six that goes in the other direction, you have allowed yourself self such a small margin for error that you don't have the talent to make up for that. Against Vandy, they'll have the talent to make up for it. Against South Mm -hmm. Carolina, maybe they'll have the talent to make up for it. But you play Kentucky, Tennessee this way, even maybe Arkansas this way, those teams are just more talented than you, and they're going to beat you because they have the margin for error that will go in their direction. We're getting into this dangerous territory right now where I just I stop caring about the outcome, (laughs) and I don't think I'm the only one. I know that there's always going to be people who, you know, kind of ride and die with these games and, you know, every, every loss stains so, so terribly bad and every win is just completely the greatest thing in the world. But I, I hate to do this. You look at the Louisiana tech game. Now, now granted, Bulldogs are terrible. They're a terrible football team. I understand that, but there just seemed to be so much competence on the field, both in play calling scheme, execution, it was all there. I've yet to see it since then. And whether Kansas State broke us forever or it was just a bad game, like it, it, the road games, we all know that's its own bucket of problems. But we just, where, where are we at? Two and four? Two and four? This is exactly the worst case scenario we thought was going to happen. Or maybe it, maybe it's the actual case yep. scenario. I think I remember saying that uh, during the offseason where two and four was a very realistic outcome. And here we are. <sighs> I'm not saying that this loss is on, you know, Brady Cook or Nathaniel Pete or Cody Schrader or, or or any anybody anybody anybody. But we are at the point where you either need to start winning games or you need to start selling us some hope. And the best way of selling hope, and it's not going to happen because it's this staff, but the best way to sell hope is to sell us on the future, mortgage the present and all of its losses for future wins and potential. What if they're not selling the present? And this is maybe the worst case scenario for me, Nate, is 
you watched the game today. Hello, Makai Miller. Okay, he you're is. ready to play. Where were you? Why have you not been because playing? Bear Bannister I, was injured and, and Luther Burning was injured. That's the only reason he saw the field. No, no, no. I, I understand why he played today. Why has he been getting basically zero reps previously, you. though? Like that 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 kid can play. He is talented and he made two big plays, two big catches, both of which were explosive plays for Missouri today. I understand it was late, but that even makes it for me more impressive. The fact that the freshman was able to come in and on the road and homecoming for Florida didn't shrivel up in the moment. And he went up and make, made a couple of big plays, including one on the sideline where he had to work to be able to get his feet inbounds. Like, all right. That showed me a little something. The thing that I do have a little bit of concern over is what if the freshmen come in and they're just better? Like you look at the offensive line, man, the offensive line is better right now because Mitchell Walters is playing mm -hmm. at right guard. So why did in camp they have no idea that Mitchell Walters was maybe one of their better options along the offensive line? That's concerning a, a bit, although it's just one. So it's a one off. This isn't a trend. This is a one off. Well, when you see Makai Miller come in and he appears to be making plays or defensively, man, every time I see Daylon Carnell mm -hmm. on the field, I think mm -hmm. he's making a play. Like he, he's just really good. He's all over the place. And today he did it again with that massive interception where he's just he, he always seems to be around the ball, whether it's making a play on a quarterback who is trying to uh, make a play on the outside and he's able to run them down because he's super athletic, former corner. Or if he's making a play against the run and he's got some kind of a TFL or like today in pass coverage, he can kind of do it all. When you start seeing these things happen regularly, where the young guys get opportunities and seem to make plays when they get those opportunities. And then when the other guys that were injured that opened up those snap counts come back and then we no longer see them on the field again because the older guy just has to play. That's the way this works, right? <laughs> That is when I get yes. really frustrated, and that is when I I start to question, all right, is this starting to look like a trend, especially on the offensive side of the ball? But I think you can argue it on the defensive side of the ball with one player in particular as well with Dalen Carnell. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it, it seems very clear that this staff has, quote-unquote, their guys, and no one else gets to play unless one of those guys is injured. Whether that's because you are a freshman or a redshirt freshman or a sophomore and you got to earn it, or we don't trust you when you're young, or we're going for broke, these are our best guys, you know, pedal to the metal, this is what we got, we got to get all the wins. Like, I don't know what the reason is, but yeah, you've, you've got a lot of talent on that bench. And we saw Mikai Miller make two huge plays, like you said. Okay, get, get him in there. Get him in the rotation. You don't have that many receivers anyway. You keep trying out Luther Burning. He's got a high ankle sprain for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other box we can talk about later. Uh, but, you know, it's 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 frustrating to see this staff manage this team. And uh, we don't see practices. We don't get up close and personal and see how they perform. So I understand that we only have, you know, 60 minutes a week to evaluate this stuff. But it seems pretty clear that some of these younger guys are a lot better or at least just as good as their first string counterparts. And the fact that we keep trying out the same stuff, unless there's an injury is, is I think that rightfully brings a question on how the staff manages this team, because it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like they have the right guys in the right time at every single moment. 
So, Nate, I've got a depressing stat for you. This comes Don't. from Tom Orff. He's a Mizzou historian. Oh, okay. Um, he just posted this on Twitter. We're recording this Saturday right after the game. When do you think, if you had to guess, a year in which was the, which was the last time that Missouri lost three straight games by seven points or less? So three straight games, seven points or less. The last time that happened was what season for Mizzou? Three straight games with seven points or less. I'm going to mm-hmm. say... 2004. How about 1955? Okay. <laughs> Serious? 1955. Raise your hand and if you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I. 1955. So, th- what? How is that? Po- okay. Well, that's bad. That's very bad. Yeah, it's not ideal. So they lost that year four straight games, actually, by seven or more or seven or fewer points. It was against Utah, who was uh, 20 to 14, <laughs> SMU 13 to six, Iowa State 20 to 14, and then uh, Nebraska 25 to 19. So uh, if you were looking for a historical context on when was the last time that we saw something like this? Well, the, the reality is, if you're listening to this, you probably were not alive at the time. And if you were, God bless you, sir or ma'am. Man, they were that happened last time. Last time they happened, they didn't even have black players on the team, right? Nineteen fifty-five. It's been a minute. It Jeez. has been a minute. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz also was asked after the game today uh, if he considered a quarterback change, oh. and he said, "Quote no." <laughs> can we Why? get in? Can we get into the Brady Cook conversation? What do you want to talk about? Can I put myself on Brady Cook Island for a moment? Uh, depends on what you're saying, because I might be with you. What, what do you What do you think? I don't think he was that bad today. No, I don't think so either. I actually think this was one of his better games in a weird way. Like, I, I will get to the pick six. I will get to the intersection interception here in a moment. On third down, that dude was a warrior. Whether it was in the running game, extending drives with his legs or in the passing game where he was 22 of 30, and I think there were at least two drops in there, if I remember correctly, for 220 yards. He had a couple of explosives. I I think more often than not, he was pretty accurate with the ball. He kind of went to where the ball should have gone to. I I thought Brady Cook actually played an okay game today, and there are those two massive blemishes on his resume, the pick six and the interception. Let's start with the interception to Luther Burden. Luther Burden was playing on a high ankle sprain. Luther Burden on that play was pushed off of his route and he was not able to readjust. I would imagine this is my assumption based on him later leaving the game because of that high ankle sprain. He probably had a tough time being able to push off of his ankle to be able to push through that contact. And guess what happened? That's a timing play. Brady Cook is throwing to a spot, not a player. That's the way that the play is designed. You can hate it, but that's how football works on these kinds of plays. And he threw it to the spot and Luther Burden wasn't there because he was pushed off of his route. It's really good defense by Florida. You are taught to do that as a corner. You should push that guy off of his route, disrupt the timing, and it worked. And then the corner made a tremendous play to be able to make the interception. So kudos to him. It worked for him. Then the other interception, that was the pick six, actually, now that I think about it. The other interception was the one in the red zone. The one in the red zone was a play that was supposed to go to Makai Miller. 
Makai Miller was running basically like a, a deep stop route, a deep hitch, if you will. And it, a curl, whatever you want to call it. Everybody's got different terminology. But Makai, er, on the play, Toski Dove is running, running, running. He's got, I think it was Dominic Lovett, but I couldn't tell if it was Lovett or um, Mookie Cooper, who's running an out route. That player, Love or Lovett or or uh, or Mookie, gets thrown to the ground essentially by the linebacker. Again, really physical. They were playing that way all day long. Uh, Florida's defense was, and then Toski Dove is the only other read on that side of the field. My guess is this was a half field read for Brady Cook because he was getting pressured much of the day. So his only other option is to throw this to Toski Dove, and he does. Toski Dove runs the route, and at the stem of his route, when he is getting ready to break his route off, the defender is really physical with him, gets underneath, goes to inside leverage, and beats the wide receiver to the ball. That's just a great defensive play, and it's a play that, honestly, I wish Toski Dove would have prevented. Because when you're running that kind of a route, you got to earn yourself inside leverage, especially when you know your quarterback, you are one of their two reads. So... Is Brady Cook completely blameless for those two plays? Maybe not. Maybe you still want to give him a little bit of the blame because you believe that when he saw Toski Dove getting to the end of his route, he shouldn't have thrown the ball. I think the ball was already thrown at that point, but whatever. Okay, fine. You want to put a little blame on him? Okay. Those two plays were as much on the wide receivers as they were on the quarterback. That's the reality. And if you think that outside of those two plays, Brady Cook played well then man, you should be more mad at the wide receivers today than you should be at the quarterback play. That That's how I personally see it. I get it. And it, it's tough to know exactly what his, uh, what the logic on these routes are supposed to be without sitting in the, in the meeting room and getting coached by a drink himself. But I mean, it's, it's a, it's a logical explanation. I still think the dove one was probably the worst one. I, I, I assign more blame to him on that one than you do. Uh, just because if you've got, you know, half the field to read and you've got both either your receiver being tackled or the other one pretty much locked up. I, I would have probably tucked it and maybe try to get something with my feet because he is really good at that. But I, I understand that, what that you're one. To- totally fair. Totally fair. I, I understand what you're saying. And really, I mean, it's, it's impossible to tell. So, okay. I lean more towards cook on that one, but outside of that, I am in, I'm in agreement. Like I thought it was a good, by the game. way, it, it's also worth noting that was a third down. So if he tucked it and ran and didn't get the, didn't get the play there, you're, you're probably kicking it on the next play, which may, maybe that's fine. But I think he was just trying to make a play. He, he wanted to make a play for his team. They, they were down were by seven on at the, time. the Florida 16. So yeah, taking, yep. you know, an incompletion would have been, well, I'm not going to say automatic anymore, but you're, you're in thicker range. So yep, not, not a good choice. Uh, like I tell my four-year-old, make a safe choice. And that was not a safe choice. So still that, that aside, I, I thought he had a great game. He, 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 for the, the Florida defensive line came alive this game. Cause of course they did. They were terrible all year. And they finally, they finally had a great game against this offensive line. Who would have thought, but cook did pretty well, uh, given what he had took some punishing hits, uh, both from, uh, Saxon and, and trying to run it. And, you know, I'll give him credit for, for everything he did there. You can suck on first and second down if you convert thirds. And man, like you said, he was he was accurate and he was active on third down. So I'm not really going to blame him for this one. But at the same time, there are limitations when you have a Brady Cook. And I don't know if those are enough to look somewhere else. You know, we we had previously discussed 
the fact that Missouri's heading into a bye week. It well, a couple weeks ago we said if Missouri was heading into a bye week at two and four, that's a good opportunity to reassess your quarterbacks and see if Sam Horn needs to take some snaps or at least get inserted into the picture here. You you are two and four. I I do think that the quarterback play has been below what any of us would like. However, I'm not totally sure, and this is me talking, I'm not totally sure you can just yank him and say, well, it's your fault. Now we got to play Sam Horn. And we know that this staff does not yank their quarterbacks out, so it's certainly not going to be a discussion or an issue. So I think it's ride or die with Brady Cook for the rest of the year. Do you have a different take than that? So that that's where I, I get kind of convoluted because I both think that Brady Cook played pretty well today, actually, and also think if you're going to make the switch, now is the time that you have to do it because you do have this bye week coming up and then you play Vanderbilt and then you go on the road at South Carolina. There is no better opportunity to make the change than right now. Like you're not doing this against Kentucky. You're not doing it against Tennessee. Maybe if you are at that point in time, like things didn't go your way against South Carolina, Kentucky or Tennessee. So you're um, at that point in time, you'd be three and seven. So you'd be out of bowl eligibility potential. Mm-hmm. Maybe then you go to Sam Horn for the final two games of the year against New Mexico State and Arkansas. Yeah, I, I guess I could see that. Yeah. But I don't know if you're going to make this change. I think now is the time to do it. I don't think that they're going to do that, though. No, do you not. No. No, not only because this staff doesn't do that, but because I don't think I was going to sound weird. I don't think Brady Cook deserves it. I think he's done enough. It's 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 a it's it's a um, it's a messy product, and I think he knows the product the best. Just frankly, he's had the most experience, most reps with the ones. He is you know he is your most experienced quarterback at this point. You could put Horn out there, Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, Arkansas, whatever. You could do that, but. I don't think all of these losses are squarely on Cook. He has his obvious limitations. I'm not saying that's the case. Also, a freshman quarterback is going to have obvious limitations too, no matter how good they are. So I I don't think it's going to happen both from a Drinkwood standpoint and because I think Cook doesn't deserve it. And that's not really why you do these sorts of things, but it is why you do these sorts of things if you're a football coach and you have to manage these kids every day. So I think it's ride or die Cook for the rest of the year. And at least as of now, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I'm fine with it. I, I know that there will be some Mizzou fans that probably listen to this and say Brady Cook was the reason they lost today, and Brady Cook has been the reason why they've lost over the last three weeks. Yeah. I disagree with it, but yeah. hey, man, there's a lot of reasons why they lost. And if you want to if you want at least put a portion of the blame on the quarterback, it's the most important position in sports for a reason, and I'll at least listen to the argument, even if I disagree with it. There are, mm-hmm. there are reasonable minds that can disagree on such a thing. I... It's an interesting spot for Mizzou because these next two games are not only winnable, but ones that I think if you were this close on the road at Auburn and at Florida and you were that close at home against Georgia, you probably should win them, honestly. So I'm really curious to see what the effort and what the team looks like against Vanderbilt. That That's a team you got to beat at home. Mm-hmm. And then South Carolina on the road, that's a team you you probably should beat if you're as good as you've shown over the last few weeks. So uh, as much as obviously the last three weeks hurt, if they are able to get it turned around a little bit over the next couple of weeks, 
it could end up kind of as you had expected going into the season. They lose the games they're supposed to lose. They win the games they're supposed to win. And we get to the end of the year and you're about a five and seven or six and six, depending on what happens in that home Arkansas game. Yeah. I mean, Mike Wright is discount Anthony Richardson and he doesn't have nearly the weapons around him that, that Richardson does. So you should win that one. South Carolina, yes, they have Spencer Rattler. Also, they're not all that great. So Also, they have Spencer Rattler. They do. He, sometimes he goes off. <laughs> like, sometimes he goes off. Is that off. a good thing or a bad thing? We're, we're not sure. He goes boom in both directions. You just you never know. I KJ Jefferson for Arkansas is injured, and they're getting boat raced right now by Mississippi State. Tennessee, you're not going to win. Kentucky, you're probably not going to win. New Mexico State, you are going to win. So, yeah, I mean, we. this is exactly what we said in the offseason. Wow, college football is boring. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I liked seeing Tavorce Jones back there. I love seeing Mikai Miller get some targets while he's been out there. He's been on the field before, just not in a, in a <laughs> passing target capacity. Oh, Marcus Clark played. Marcus today, Clark by the played way. because uh, D- didn't really notice him too no. much, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, Drayden Norwood did well. He got injured that one time, but he mostly did well. I mean, th- this defense is good. It's not the problem. And I love Damian Wilson. Oh, by the way. Yes, uh, we we need. Um, we, uh, I I don't know about Damian. He had Wilson. a rough game, he, but I like his I like his energy. To- totally with you. It previously prior to this week, I had been uh, singing his praises. He really tough day today, especially in the fourth quarter. They were playing. Where's Waldo? Where's number ten? We're gonna run at him. Uh, he's just he, he's not a very big guy right now. And when you're when you're a little smaller in frame, you you really gotta win at the point of attack and he, he didn't today but he'll he'll be all right he's a young linebacker it's early he was good for the most part prior to today uh i want to give credit to Enos rakestraw yeah that dude's good man he's good and the first couple of years uh yet last year with the injury but then especially as a freshman he's a true freshman corner it's really hard he's playing in the sec the hype got a little out of control He's legitimate now. This guy is Missouri's defensive backfield, really, in general, like with Rakestraw and Carlisle. I'm really impressed with what they've been able to do at that back end. Carnell is making plays seemingly every week. This is a fun defensive backfield to watch right now. It is. It is. Well, that's the game. They lost. <laughs> one score, another one score loss on the road, which, hey, at least you're not losing by 30 on the road. That's a huge improvement. But uh, can I ask you one quick question before we get out of yeah, here? Nate? Yeah. What is it out of the three games at Auburn, at Florida in Georgia? Which one did you feel the best about? Because you you grade these games a little differently than, than a lot of fans do. You go back in and you'll look at the play by play data and you'll see like, oh, they had a nine percent chance to be Georgia <laughs> or those sorts of things. Which one of those gave you the most? I, I guess you can say optimism or you just you had the best feeling about afterwards. Ooh, God. I I would I would say Auburn. I haven't I've only watched Florida the one time through, so that might change. Yeah. But I just from from muscle memory, I felt the best about Auburn. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say Auburn. What about you? I think it's today. Really, Missouri outgained Florida three seventy to two ninety seven. When it came to third down, Missouri was nine for seventeen. Florida was three for eleven. Missouri held Florida to sixty six yards passing through the air. Um, if you're looking at some of the more advanced statistics that I know you get into, Nate, but if you're looking at success rates, Missouri was better um, offensive success rate and rushing success rate in this game. Mm. They, they were just like. 
by offensive and defensive measurements, Missouri was the better team today. The, the problem was they allowed a 45-yard mm-hmm. punt mm-hmm. return, and they allowed a pick six. Mm-hmm. If not for that, Missouri probably wins this game. And that's like the the whole, yeah, but. But it, they, they played better today. I think based on your numbers, when you go back through, if you go back through the uh, the win expectancy stats, I think that this will probably have been the highest win expectancy for Missouri of those three games. That would be my assumption. It's tough to beat 91%, but we'll Oh, that's see. what it was for Auburn? Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll see. Not. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I think it'll be up there. I think it'll be pretty close to that, though. Maybe not 91, but like, I think Missouri probably had, what do you think, like a 70% chance to win this game? Based on the granular data? Man, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say it's, it's north of 50, but I'm not totally sure where I'm going to, where it actually was. Um, yeah, that'll be really interesting. I'll say north of 50 though. And I will let you know on Tuesday when I, when I finish everything up, how it, how it, how it shook out. But yeah, I don't know. I, a close road loss is still a loss, you know, nothing feels great, <laughs> For sure. but you know, it's, I think the broadcast kept saying, you know, they're getting, they're getting so close and they're putting all, well, Time has run out for moral victories. I don't. I don't care how close you are. I really care next year because if these close losses turn into close wins, that's that's what we're looking for. You know, like we've said, Drinkwitz has got four years to put this thing together. So, if this is just the 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 bumps that you have to go through in the process of being better, sure, fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to be really curious to see if success rates are better. Then yeah, I would, that would explain a lot. Um, but. Uh, I don't know. It, they're not a lot better. Missouri offensive success rate was 28, which is not ideal. Um, yeah, <laughs> and Florida's was 22. So. Oh, my good God. Okay. Well. <laughs> the defense was awesome. <laughs> this just in. It was a Missouri game. <laughs> it was, yeah. This one side was great. The other side stunk. Guess that's a Missouri game. Mizzou had the ball for 36 minutes in this game. My God. The, the more you dive through the box score, the more you're like, Really? Really? All right. We did it again. The little things matter. I'm, I'm always going to yep. say that. The little things matter. And right now, Missouri's not good at the little things. So Finish your dang drives. Your dang Don't drives. give up stupid plays on special teams. You probably win at least at least two of the last three. Mm-hmm. Maybe all three of them. Football's a simple sport. We've been saying it all along. So that's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or you can rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rockin' flagship at Rockin' Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Z-O-U.